ladies and gentlemen, by the shaking of the glass and looking at the bottle that I am drinking out of tonight, we now know it is time for What's Good America. I am your calm host and your more reserved host tonight, Christopher Turner. And I'm going to bring to you the risk. Nah, screw that. We're going to turn right back up. Folks, I am one half of the dynamic duo of What's Good America. I am the tons of fun. I am Mr. Cushion for the pushing. I am the heavyweight slash cruiserweight champion himself. See, turning. I'm with my main man tonight. Who I'm with? Oh, man. He's tuning in right now. It's Chicago's finest south suburban son. The one they call Wames J. The one they know as Wayne Tudor. He went by Mr. Saturday Night for a couple years and wish he never gave himself that nickname. But it's James Walden here. I'm in the house. I'm hype. It's been a few days. What's good, CT? You know what? Your mama called you Mr. Saturday Night. I'm calling you Mr. Saturday Night. Point blank, period. Hey, then there it is. Mr. Saturday Night forever, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, we're we not going to get right into it tonight. I just want to give a special shout out to all the first line workers out there who are, who are out there dealing with this corona, not that Rona. With everybody who's trying to get it, trying to stay outside and party and all this other bullshit. Yeah, Florida, I'm talking to you. How in the hell did you make the WWF in a central working environment? Are you getting serious right now? I didn't drop the F-bomb because my mama said she was going to listen to this one. So I'm going to try to keep it somewhere clean. But my mama knows me, so I'm going to probably drop the F-bomb like nine times. It won't be 10. <laughs> hey, I like, a, I like a 10 F-bomb limit, man. I've been I'm doing, doing good nine. since the first episode, man. I've been I mean, doing yeah. good. The first episode, I had about 40 of them. So if I can lower it down to about 10, 9-ish, like I feel like I'm, I'm achieving something tonight. I hear you, man. And you know what? Only only Florida could deem the WWE essential, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's quite a funny situation. And I just saw they released a bunch of guys that I love, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it's up. Um, what this thing is doing to that and 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 conjunction with Chris shouting out the essential workers and everybody that's first line responders I want to shout out the teachers um, that right now have been off because based on the things that are going on throughout this world and what's happening and the things I see in social media I tell you what if these teachers don't get a pay raise for real for real because I'm telling you right now I know kids right now that are getting sent to their grandparents house during that's these times that's all I'm saying I would personally like to go on record and say, if teachers aren't making at least 60 grand next year, because I'm be honest with you. Now let's let the first one out. I fucking hate common core math and to teach. <laughs> Listen, we carry the one in this house, period. You gonna learn how to carry the one tonight. Well, my teacher says that we have to, if it's 19, then you take 10 and you put the nine over here and then you add, nah, fuck that. Carry the one, <laughs> carry it. Common Core Math got two f bombs out of his ten already. America, it's that's how crazy Common Core Math is. It's awful. It's the dumbest thing in the world. And I'm sorry for any of my friends. I got a couple friends who are teachers who teach it. I know you. I know you hate it because it's stupid. Common Core oh, Math. We know is the that. Dumbest. You take five minutes to do a problem that would take thirty seconds. Fuck Common Core Math. Sorry, that's the third one. That was the last one. That was. Hey, listen, that was it's worth one. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm praying to God that you parents can get this Common Core math out because of all this, because I'm not doing that with my kids. I'm telling you right now, they carrying ones, they doing the old division sign the way yep. it used to be. You're going to learn how to add the right way. You're not going to exactly. add the wrong way. Adding exactly. all these zeros. Exactly. Carried. It's not, it ain't happening. Common Core math. 
Common Core Math is a trick by the man to deceive us, my brother. So don't go down that rabbit hole. That's probably why we got Corona right now. Common Core Math. They probably did the math wrong in that lab, mm-hmm. wherever those, those bats were. If you think about it, Common Core, Corona, it all makes sense. It all yeah. makes sense. I'm with it, dude. I'm with it, man. So what we, what do we want to open up with tonight, man? Like, what, what's on your heart? We're going, uh, with the, as we, we're going with the icons right out the gate, man. MJ okay. Tiger. Who had the bigger influence? Michael, Jeffrey, Jordan, or, or Earl Son? Who, who, had the, who had the bigger influence on, speaking to us personally, who had the bigger influence? You want to go first, or you want me to start this thing up? I would love, uh, as I am a huge fan of both of these men, um, and this was a split decision, America, on how we felt. We talked. We actually had to talk about this one. Normally, we freestyle this thing, which lets you know how dope it is that we freestyle <laughs> the hell out of this. But this one, we had to kind of talk about. So I'm going to let you kick it off, man, because... I think I think you've got the fire right now. You got that common core math uh, fury in you right Ooh. now from today. So I think you should let it out and 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 why your guy that you chose between old Eldrick, aka old Tigger Woods, and Michael Jeffrey, which one do you think has had the bigger impact? Go let for me, it, man. Let, let me take a little taste of this yak real quick, and I'm gonna go into it. Man, we really need a sponsor. I mean, I don't even care if it's Kirkland, but you know, I'm over here running out of bottles right now, man. I'm on my fourth big boy. I'll uh, take, that's what Corona's McCormick's, ENJ, Paul Musan, somebody. Just I'm tired of buying liquor. That's all it is to it. And I feel like Bonta. my garbage man is judging me for all these bottles I throw away. Yeah, we're just saving ours up. I think we're gonna take a picture at the end of the day. Uh, we'll take <laughs> Montezuma. Ryan Reynolds, if you're listening, I'll drink gin. <laughs> I'm about it. I ate Avion all day. I mean, The Rock, you know, you, I, hopefully we're going to post this maybe on your Instagram because uh, I, I have a feeling at some point through one of these, you're going to come up. Dude, if your tequila wants to go ahead and sponsor us, dude, we'll, man, we'll do a 15-minute to 20-minute segment. Attitude Era, me and Chris Turner could do the whole show on that. I'll uh, take the shit out of that Man, I'll take OE. Eight dog, whatever. All right. So now right back into it. I'm going with Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Here's why. And I'm gonna argue both sides on it right now. April 13th, 1997. At 21 years old, this man won the Masters. After coming yeah. off his 1996 year where he ran rookie of the year, which I didn't honestly didn't even know was a thing in golf, but apparently it is. Won Rookie of the Year in 1996. And then for this Cabocaclasian, Cabalasian, Cavalier uh, guy. You mean black You mean black golfer? You, yeah, yeah, that's just a nice way of saying black. Uh, sorry, Tiger. I'm yeah. sorry, Tiger. You black. We talked about this before. You're going to be black in my eyes with Asian features. So, so bunch long fried rice, hello fried chicken. So I'm <laughs> leaning with Tiger Woods. Here's why. One, to come out the gate and win the Masters. First of all, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Masters is in Augusta, Georgia. To go deeper than that, Augusta, Georgia, up until probably Tiger won it, was a super racist place. The name of the tournament is called the Masters, for God's sakes. And this Cabocaclasian black dude won the tournament when he was 21 years old. America, what were you doing when you were 21? I can tell you what I was doing when I was 21. I was sitting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, drinking probably, I was broke, so E&J. And we probably had a gallon of it that we got for $13. 
uh, at that time, Tuscaloosa was a dry county, so we had to sneak it in. And I got it for free. Okay, I did get it for free. But we probably drunk the whole gallon at 21. And I then I skipped like the next day of spring football practice. But, ooh, ooh can I tell you what I was doing at 21 before yeah. you go? And then let's get back into it. 21. This is what I was doing, America. Kirksville, Missouri, the heartland of a whole bunch of cows and chickens. <laughs> Natural light, drinking 30 packs like it was my job. Drinking Mad Dog, having Mad Dog challenges at Kirksville. And at 21 years old, we went on an astounding two and nine. Back to you, Chris. Wow. Well, that's, I, I don't know if I would have mentioned that. But also, at 21, <laughs> I created, I was a part of a group that created a drink called the Cujo. It's when you take McCormick's vodka and you drink half of a Mad Dog and then you mix them all together. It's called the Cujo. So, hmm. anyway, at 21, this Capital Equation man won the Masters, won Rookie of the Year. In a sport up until that point, there really wasn't that many of us in. And by us, I mean the melanin-filled Americans. It mm-hmm. wasn't too many of us in it at all. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's what kind of led me towards playing golf, to see this dude who, by the way, his first Masters, his swag was all off the meter like red dry fit shirt black nike check black slacks dry fit and they had some black nike golf shoes Uh the the colors seem familiar to another person in this argument but at the same time Sunday Tiger was that dude like he had a different version of himself like it was Tiger Woods on Friday Tiger Woods on Saturday Oh shit, we're not up by enough. Here comes Sunday Tiger. The man on the video game on the Wii, if you bought, if you bought the Wii during that time and you bought Tiger Woods Golf, which he had his own video game. The other guy in this argument didn't have his own video game. Hell, he wasn't even on video games until like 2013. You can play as Tiger Woods or you can play as Sunday Tiger. Anybody with any sense, you play with Sunday Tiger because you couldn't miss. If you played it on PlayStation, you played with Sunday Tiger. You played it on the stupid Xbox, you played it with Sunday Tiger. So, <laughs> Sunday Tiger was the way to go because Tiger Woods on Sunday was unbeatable. Period. Even after the holes, Tiger Woods came back 15 years later. I'm sorry, 11 year drought. Won it again. Tiger Woods is 67 years old right now. And he came back and won the Masters after. Nobody thought he could do it. Like, oh, Tiger should probably just sit it out from now on and maybe make appearances with Jack Nicholas. No, no, son. Not Tiger. Not Earl, son. We do this. I go with Tiger. Now, that's a good start to this conversation, my man. And, you know, really for me, this is a 1A, 1B conversation. Because I yes, made sir. it perfectly clear how I feel about Tiger Woods. We brought him up very early. I think we're going to end up continuing to talk about this guy uh, just yeah. because of our love for the game of golf. And there's going to be other topics that will continue to splurge off this dude. And his yeah. impact on the game of golf, um, without a doubt, with it being a world game, golf's been played around the world longer than a lot of sports that there is. You look at the history of where it comes from, uh, his influence knows no bounds i mean chris hit it on the head people started swagging out a little bit more about how they looked in their field because tiger came in there with the fittings i agree but michael jordan 
anytime I get a chance to look up even more stuff about the GOAT, uh, when we say the greatest of all time, America, this dude is the GOAT, all right? I looked at certain things. I wanted to look at some different things that maybe I've never brought to the argument before because I could bring a lot of things, you know, but I wanted to really look at his impact on the world. And, you know, there was one thing that I found, Chris, uh, about Michael Jordan that is still to this day a record. Do you know the two highest rated NBA games in history were both played by Michael Jordan? I did not know that. The 1998 Game 6 final when he hit the three is the highest rated game in the history of NBA. Had the most watchers, most views, most people watching in the history of the National Basketball Association. Ever. Didn't know that. Number two, number two was 1993 when John Paxson hit the three and Michael Jordan had 45 or whatever he had in that game. Um, and they beat Barkley. That's the second highest rated and most watched game in the history of the NBA. Did you know that? I did not. And now, just because he is a guy, I wear this guy's shoes too, uh, but I just got to take a shot. You want to know what the lowest rated games were in the history like of the NBA finals ever? If you say anything with LeBron, I am going to laugh from the depths of my soul. LeBron James 2007 uh, (laughs) finals. Looked it up. I couldn't believe it. I was actually in shock because I was enamored because you know, this is Cleveland LeBron. So I was, this is my guy. I'm like, come on, Bron. You know, we wearing headbands. You know what I'm saying? Me and him been balding at the same rates. <laughs> you know, this is my hairline brother, man. You know, I could, I could pass for poor man LeBron, man. If I went to Taiwan, wore a headband back in 2006. You would be you a know, foot taller than every last person there. Exactly. You know, so I could have had that headband on Cleveland jersey. You know what I mean? Wore, been wearing some NBA gear. I could have been down there in Taiwan living large, you know what I'm saying? You know, for real. I, I was about to do a so, super offensive Chinese stereotypical uh, accent, and I felt like, you know what? I probably shouldn't do that. Now, now, uh, let me tell you something, man. It's off our topic, man, but America, get 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 your shit together. Like, stop with all this Asian hate and all this. It ain't got nothing to do with that, okay? If you watch enough 24 like I've watched, you understand why this coronavirus is here, all right? This This is a conspiracy. Go watch all your spy shows. There's something going on, and old Donald Trump lost his seat at the table. That's what I tell my fiance every day, and she actually agrees with me. She's like, you know what, babe? You got some points. You crazy as hell, but, uh, she does like 24 too so it makes sense to her now back to MJ um Chris Turner um yes sir tell me tell me if I'm right or wrong you probably in your house right now have at least two pairs of Michael Jordan shoes to be 100% honest with you I've worn more than two pairs of Michael Jordan shoes today okay I have I have a, a stupid um I have a stupid amount of Jordan shoes. I will admit that. Okay. And the other reason why I bring this up, and there's a lot of people that we hope continue to listen to the show that can appreciate this argument from here. Michael Jordan in the shoe game, he changed the world in 1984. Do you, people forget this, you know, obviously those that were our age in that era knew 
the, the battle there was for this guy when he was 21 years old. It's funny you brought up 21 because that's when Michael Jordan got drafted um, out of the University of North Carolina, our school. Um, and the fact that he basically reshaped the entire shoe market. Converse was the number one basketball shoe. Yep. Followed by Adidas and like Puma because of Walt Frazier. And when Michael Jordan signed with Nike in 1984, Changed I think I game. saw a They did $100 million his first year with Nike in the 80s. They sold $100 million worth of Michael Jordan shoes in 1984 in 1985, his first year. Come on, man. That's just one year. That's, I gave you a stat from 1998 with his television ratings. I gave you a stat from 1993 with his television ratings. And I gave you a shoe stat that this guy did $100 million in 1985. Come on, man. That's like Frank Lucas, Blue Magic uh, <laughs> type stuff we're talking here. Okay. This is serious out here. You know what I mean? So, but let me, ask you my- let, me, let me ask you this. Okay. I get it. That's why this argument is 1A and 1B. And I know we got to yeah. wrap it up here in about two minutes, but yeah. it's 1A and 1B. But I'll put it like this. Before Jordan came to the NBA, what year? 1984 was the year he was drafted and played in his first game. Okay. So, before that time, you still had Dr. J. You still had all these greats. Uh, Magic Johnson was just a year or two before. And you had all these NBA greats. Yeah. If, you go, if you go back to that 96, 97 year, you could literally not point out an African-American on the golf course. Because honestly, VJ Singh, he might look somewhat similar to us. But if you get closer, you can realize VJ Singh is not one of us. Hey, I used to think his name was BJ Singh. I thought he was black. <laughs> I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I was like, BJ Singh? I was like, oh, I got somebody to root for. I can tell you, boy. I'll tell you about us, boy. We hear anything. Saying. BJ, VJ, you got to be sad, BJ. BJ, yeah, I know it's the world fool. But BJ really wasn't one of us. And BJ, even at that time, even at Tiger's years of dominance, when VJ won, it was by a close margin or he was middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. When Tiger played, you knew like, oh crap, I gotta, I gotta come out hard and then I gotta I gotta save a little bit because I know on Sunday there's a different version of him that comes out that's a thousand times better than the guy who's kicked my ass the first two rounds. I agree. So that's why I lean towards Tiger because Tiger revolutionized the game. And not to bring this whole thing about race, but he revolutionized the game for African-Americans for us to be able to get out on the golf course and realize, you know what? This ain't that bad. Like, I, I can do this. Like, it's, it's more to it than drilling a ball and running around and swim moving somebody. Like, it's more to it. And like you said, yeah, about 75% of business deals are done on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was going to ask you a question. The only other black guy I knew that was playing golf before 1997 was Michael Jordan. Funny how that happens. Um, <laughs> and I, I'd say the counter to that because I don't think there's a wrong answer to this question, America. That's why I'm enjoying it um, in this segment for us because I don't think either one of us are wrong. 
But here's what I will say about what Michael Jordan um, did for basketball um, that Tiger Woods, to me, maybe can't can't he he has a chance if he can if he can somehow get to 18 we will reopen what i said here this day I but agree. michael jordan michael jordan has now done things in this game that will never be duplicated again and that's the one thing that's the one thing when you, you talk about this and this is now let's let's let, let's say that you know what he's still all the things with the hose is gonna happen okay <laughs> <laughs> Let's take that into consideration. That's not what killed him. You know, his body just broke down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the best thing Jordan ever did was he took that year and a half off. Yeah. Maybe he kind of felt my body was breaking down. And, you know, I remember. I remember that was when I learned the word tendonitis because Michael Jordan <laughs> had that in his wrist. You know, because Mike was wearing a little black wrist guard. I think it was his right. I think it was his shooting hand, too. This dude was having tendonitis at 30. And, you know, it's between uh, Michael Jordan clips and WWE, how I learned some of my big words, like laceration, thanks to Jim Ross. I remember Macho Man got hung up on a rail one time, and he was bleeding from his mouth. And Jim Ross, you know, the greatest announcer of all time, he was all like, oh, my God, I think his tongue is lacerated. I was like, oh, my God, what happened to the Macho Man? I was so scared for him. I was like 10. Then I found out, oh, I've been getting lacerations all my life. This is bullshit. Why was I so excited about this, man? Come on, macho man. Come on, mach. Get your shit together. But oh, he, he changed the game, Chris. Like, he did. And in the sense, he's he done things. Look, think, think about what Golden State. They came close to doing things that he did. Yeah, they broke their win record, but then they couldn't beat LeBron. And that's where, I get, that's where LeBron gets credit from me. The fact that they beat them boys. I had to applaud, you know what I mean? Especially because he did it in Cleveland. Anything LeBron does in Cleveland brings him back in my good graces. Everything he did in that state that you're from, oh, man, can, seriously. And my man, my ass is super black, and it can kiss all all the blackness off my ass. That's a lot of wow. kisses. Wow. That's how I felt about that Miami run. We will get into that. You are inappropriately disrespectful right now. And I love the state of Florida. Like, that's the thing. But I tell you right now, I did not like Miami for four years. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And he still, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden he took off his headband and maybe go, you know what? Maybe I should take my headbands off too. I don't know. I follow LeBron. I love him. But there's just things that Michael has done. And this is going to be a conversation for another day. And I'm glad we're doing this. And, and with this, and then we can move to the next topic. A lot of it has to do with what's getting ready to happen on Sunday. Have you ever heard? in your life of the anticipation of a documentary of sports be what it's been in this country. Outside outside of the Tiger King? Nah, man. Not at all. Okay. And the fact we mentioned the Tiger King, we not even talking about Tiger Woods. What if Tiger Woods would have showed up on the Tiger King hanging out with some tigers and shit? That would have that been the I'd greatest have, thing that ever happened I, in my life. I dude, I'd have lost my shit, bro. I'd have been like, "Oh my god, it's Tiger hanging out with tigers." But you know, but you know, because you know, we got to be careful now. You know, what I'm saying with these, uh, with these exotic, uh, Joe Exotic uh, claims and loves, you know, because he, you know, he upset he can't say the M word, so I can, you know, we can't really. Man, that's true. That's true. We, All I know is I got my, KF. I got okay. my Trump money today, so I might go buy me a tiger. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. 
I needed that for a hundred dollars. You know, they got me off. <laughs> this podcast is all I got, America. They laid me off too, bro. So I'm they. <laughs> thank, thank you, Trump. This is the one decent thing you did uh, for for your boy. So I ain't gonna sit here and act like I'm not. You know, how you've seen all that shit on uh on on uh, social media, Chris. Everybody's like, well, if you're a socialist, yeah. well, if you're a Trump, I ain't getting into all that. I'm gonna take this to a hundred dollars be appreciative that my fiance ain't going to kick me out the house because I can pay the rent another month. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the next topic. This is another yeah. one that's near and dear to our heart. It seems to be all yeah. near and dear to our heart because honestly, America, these topics that we're talking to you about are the same things that we talk about when we were sitting in hooligans, we were sitting uh, on Broadwater, sitting here having drinks all around. So, Shout out Wild West. Yeah, oh God, I got some stories about that. Anyway, a good time. I'm a married man. I can't talk about any of that right now. <laughs> Mount Rushmore of wrestling, man, man. And I, I'd like to open this, and I think you're seeing a common theme with with our show uh, that there's a lot of, uh, I guess, togetherness tonight. And the first two guys, and I think I mentioned this in our last podcast, how you know we were talking about two of the great faces of their eras, but I know we have two guys that are very much the same on our Mount Rushmore. And I was watching really a lot of things with both these guys today. Obviously, when you're laid off, you can do these things. Shout out WWE <laughs> Network. Uh, but uh, The Rock and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin um, are on both our Mount Rushmores. I actually asked Chris this before we talked, America, because I just wanted to make sure. So we did deliver this the right way. But what these guys did for pop culture for their genres um, to take you guys back to 1996 which is when they actually both just about I think Stone Cold had been there maybe 95 yep. early 96 The Rock debuted in 96 WWE was getting their ass whooped I mean they were getting molly whopped uh, because Chris Turner's GOAT uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan and then boys was very entertaining it was basically when you were a teenage kid and you loved wrestling, yep. you know, were you going to stay on USA or were you going to go to TNT? And I can tell you right now, more times than not in that era, and I'm WWE faithful, but Hogan having that belt spray, uh, spray painted was some of the G is shit from the whitest dude on earth. That was a major that move. That I ever seen. Like that was, that, that struck a chord with a lot of us, man. And this dude reinvented himself and Scott Hall was already the coolest guy to us because we loved Razor Ramon. Facts. We loved, we loved the Al Pacino Scarface. Facts. You know, we were, we wanted Razor Ramon to be the WWF champion. And I think had that happened, you might have seen some different things. You know, no disrespect to the excellence of execution in the Heartbreak Kid, but Razor Ramon, I think, was over more than both those guys. And hey, I yo. think that was a mistake by Mix, by Vince. He mixed that six four two eighty seven. And this dude, he did it. He's actually, to me, the pioneer of the bad guy turned good. He did it before that. Austin and Rock did it. I can see uh, that. But, but when these guys came in America and Stone Cold finally got them, he did the 316. And, you know, you've heard this on different podcasts and everywhere. But I think for me, what makes these guys special is that they were so the same, you know, but they represented so much, you know. Austin, you know, he's drinking beer and he's doing it his way. So he's got that population of my 
fairly assimilated high school, but then you had this cool dude, you know, repping Miami, Florida. You know what I'm saying? Dane County. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I come back right now. That's why I tell you, I got love for Florida. And he comes out and he's wearing the shirts and the <laughs> know your roles. Shut your mouths. I still call people jabronis to this day. That's an old term. Like this dude made a term in wrestling that had been around for years. The coolest shit to say. <laughs> Chris Turner knows this for a fact. And I'll kick it over him to talk about both these guys a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, I was playing in our primes and we in our mid-20s. And if somebody was trash, I would go to Coach I go, Coach O, this dude is Rudy and Pooh. That's the influence of these guys. They were saying some cold-ass shit that nobody else said for a little while when they both, you know, kind of bumped out. But you realize, man, you call somebody a Rudy Pooh? <laughs> I mean, that should get you shot on the street. <laughs> Somebody like walk 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 up to somebody right now and call them a Rudy Poo and see what the fuck they did. You just call me Poo and, and pick Rudy Huxtable before that chip. I will beat the hell out of you. Oh God. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris Turner, man. Let them know, man. So yeah, our first two are gonna be the same. Um and honestly, three out of the four are probably gonna be the same, but I know my fourth one is going to is gonna turn some heads. And we already kind of touched on it, but the I'll start with Austin. I was deathly afraid of Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm, I was just watching his matches. This man came out with a bag of snakes. First of all, you know how much of a badass you got to be to one DDT somebody, you beat them, and they laid out in the, in the middle of the, the squared circle, unconscious. And you're like, you know what? I just beat you. But you know what? I'm not done with you. I'm going to go to this 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 nylon burlap bag I got over here. Untie it because it's been sitting over here in the corner for the last 30 minutes with this pissed off snake in it. And then I'm going to dump this pissed off snake on the top of you after I just DDT'd you and gave you a concussion. Yeah. And out of nowhere, this receding hairline backwoods probably, eh, let's be honest with you. He was probably an SEC fan or a Big 12 fan. Just to be, because he has that type to him. He's from I disagree. I, I disagree, Chris. He's from Stone Mountain. He's from Stone Mountain, Georgia. He's an SEC guy, baby. Oh, he's an SEC guy. So, this Bulldog fan, because nobody likes Georgia Tech, let's just be honest. This Bulldog <laughs> fan comes out of nowhere, wins the King of the Ring, and cuts, honestly, a top three promo where told you to say your prayers, read your Bible, and you can quote what John 3.16 says. But this man said, Austin 3.16 says, I just whooped your ass. Man. Are you serious? This man yeah, took but... a Bible scripture, threw his name in it, and said he whooped your ass. And you just got to deal with it. Like That's just what it is. You just got to deal with it. It's the greatest selling merchandise, I think, in the history of the WWE is that three sixteen shirt. It's so simple, Austin three sixteen, and you Black can walk shirt. up to somebody who, who who hasn't watched wrestling in the past ten years, and you can ask them, "Hey, do you know what Austin three sixteen means?" And they may want to fight because they think you want to fight because you just say you just whooped my ass and let's go. Austin three sixteen because yeah. I just whooped your ass. Period. And when it comes to the Rock, 
it's it, there's so many things to hit on the rock with, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be short. I'm going to be short and give my time back to you. But mm-hmm. the rock, University of Miami, defensive tackle. So boom, he's a D line guy. Already got my heart right then and there. Yeah. Then you come in when he was Rocky Maivia. That was that was a little. The, the creative team kind of dropped the ball on that one. Let's be honest. Like, he, was, he dropped the ball on that one. But when he came yep. back as The Rock, and I don't care if you want to mix in, like, the Nation of Domination Rock, Corporate Rock, whatever it was, this man had, like, his his microphone skills are still untouched to this day. I agree. Like, you can't go word for word. You can't go promo for promo with The Rock because you're not going to be able to just stand it. Because yeah. anytime you seem like you're getting over, he can stop it at any time. Yeah. He slapped Stephanie McMahon on the ass. Yeah. You beat up the boss. Well, bo- I guess both of them beat up the boss. Yeah, so both, it is what it is. Whooped. They both whooped his ass. Exactly. Like, when you teamed up with Mankind and you made Mankind you put one, you pushed them all the way over. And then two, you made mankind seem normal. Mankind was another one of those guys who just like, hey man, I don't I wanna watch this dude sticking a mandible claw in somebody's mouth. But he teams up with the rock, he puts a sock over that. Now he's sticking the whole sock down your mouth. Hey, now it's fun. So <laughs> The Rock is the the Rock has so many things like the Rock can come back to this day and win the belt and I wouldn't be mad at it whatsoever. Go he's ahead, the one part. Yeah, he's he's the one part timer um, for sure. And let's not forget, as I've been talking about television ratings, the highest rated segment in the history of Monday Night Raw was uh, involved with the Rock and Mankind. Um, so I was debating this with Chris, and I think it's a little bit of hometown bias, but I'm going to tell you why. CM Punk is on my Mount Rushmore. And it's it's a very interesting Mount Rushmore for me that's coming around uh, with him being the third guy. I think the one thing that we all can appreciate, and I was watching some old, just trying to get in that feel for this conversation. I was watching the old Survivor Series clips. So, like, it's funny. You brought up Jake the Snake. I wouldn't even tell you that. But watching how people would pop for that DDT, yeah. listening to – the responses for Hogan and the Warrior. I watched the Ric Flair matches from the WWF, you know, when he first got there, just to see how they respond to him as a heel. CM Punk, I think I brought this up when we were talking about John Cena. That reaction he got in Chicago when he beat John Cena for the title. Legendary. And his pipe mom promo is on on the level. Yeah. Of the stuff that the Rock and Stone Cold did, yeah, and it's more about that that pop he got. I it still gives me goosebumps. Like it seriously gives me goosebumps because you just didn't know. Like it was the best theater I had seen to WWE in a long time, probably since the Rock in Austin. Like you see him, Punk just gonna quit. You know, he's this meteoric rise. He's been great on the mic. He's got John out of this game, even though they were probably in it together the whole time, you know, and obviously yeah. we know that. But CM Punk is is the he's the 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 third guy I put on there. Because in this last 10 years of wrestling, when they still chant your name and you haven't wrestled a match in six years, 
you're, you're that's that's goat status. That's like when they say the what's with Austin, and whenever the Rock comes, he just pops. Yeah, that's the same type of thing. So I think that's why he makes my route rush more. You go listen to that audience. I tell anybody here that loves our WWE segments, you go listen to when he came out for Money in the Bank in 2011 in Chicago, and tell me the only there's only certain guys you've heard that type of pop for when they come out when their music plays. Who's your third guy? My third guy, I honestly, I just changed it. Honestly, um, I was gonna go with Hogan because Hogan's my guy, especially Hollywood Hogan. But I'm going to change it because my fourth guy, like I said, I can't wait to hit you over the head with my fourth guy. Okay, but <laughs> I'm going to change because it was Hogan. I'm going to go with Rick Flair as my yeah. third guy. And like you, you, you're a bigger wrestler fan than I am, that, and that's saying something. To Ric Flair is what all these guys are. He was just 20 years before all of this, 30 years oh, before yeah. all of this. Like Ric Flair, Ric Flair's promo was quoted in the NFL like three years ago, and had every team saying it. Mm-hmm. You talking to the diamond ring wearing, Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing. Kiss stealing, wheeling, <laughs> dealing, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. First of all, once again, not to bring race into it, but how many Caucasian males do you know that wear alligator shoes? Um, the only ones I know of were all in uh, Scarface or any type of criminal movie or they were going against Frank Lucas and them. Nikki Barnes and them, you know, I digress. Exactly. So you got this dude who's talking about wearing Rolexes. He's dripped out in diamonds. Alligator Stacy's on. He wears minks. Like his 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 wardrobe coming to the ring is worth more than most wrestlers' salary. Never mind that his daughter's doing the same thing right now and it's still in style. Yeah, top top three top three wrestlers alive right now. Charlotte Flair. Okay, that composition of the day. Keep going. The Migos did a song with Ric Flair. It's even it's it's a saying now, man. I got this Ric Flair drip right now, and like everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. Ric Flair took more women to Space Mountain than Mickey Mouse. This man <laughs> created the flop that was so bad you couldn't wait to see it like when you threw when you threw Ric Flair into the corner you were hoping it was that one time where he was going to flip over the rope and then walk down the thing and then you clothesline him or the one time when you'll punch him in the middle of the ring and then he'll stumble around and put his fist up and then he'll walk off and just pass out like nine steps later Mm -hmm. like Ric Flair brought attitude at that time when wrestling was actually wrestling like when you had to know how to you weren't a sports entertainer you were just a wrestler and hopefully you had a little bit of mic skills yeah. Rick Flair outside of like the Van uh, oh god the last name is escaping me right now but he was one of the original stables yeah like, four horsemen the 
the four horsemen, and I'm talking about the van. Um, oh my god, the Von, Von oh, Erics. The, the Von Erics, yeah, Carrie, Carrie, and, and uh, Fritz, and mainly Carrie was the, was the stud of all right. the Texas Tornado. I was just watching them a day, America. I swear to you, we didn't even plan this, but I was watching this stuff. Even my fiance came in, uh, took her break, and was like, "What? Why is he watching these grown ass men in tights from 1989?" <laughs> And the Texas Tornado and the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk yep. Hogan, man, Survivor Series. The Von Erichs were dope, dude. But Ric Flair and any creation of the Four Horsemen, regardless of which ones from the originals to anytime it's with Arn Anderson, that had my heart because I feel like I'm the Arn Anderson of indoor football. I just get the work done. I don't really say much. That's a lot. I do talk a lot of shit, but I get the work done. Ric Flair yeah. is, is the third on the mountain for me. I gotcha. I like it. And here's my fourth guy, man. And you know what's crazy? I kind of feel like, because we didn't tell each other our, our fourth, our third and fourth guys. Uh, but this dude right here, and let me first off say, there's a bunch of honorable mentions. Hulk Hogan, obviously. When I talk about crowd pops, you watch anything from 1984 to 1990. If you got the WWE Network and just listen to this crowd when they hear that, dun, 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 boy, they lose. I am a real American. Boy, Goosebumps is talking about it. Um, so shout out to him. Obviously, shout out to Ric Flair. Brett and Shawn Michaels get honorable mentions for me, obviously. Uh, some of those guys. Uh, Triple H gets a shout out for me. Randy Orton gets a shout out. Ooh. Um, that's a guy that doesn't get Randy Orton. To me, if you look at his body of work, my Price. God, and Kurt and Kurt Angle as well, and Brock Lesnar, those guys get shout-outs for me. Uh, it's not a lot of WCW guys, you know. I mean, I love Dusty, I love you know Steamboat, you know, I love Sting. Uh, but you know, but my fourth guy, man, is 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 the Undertaker. Wow. And I just do this dude. Has had one bad match, and it yeah. took him to be in his fifties to have one bad match with Goldberg. Yeah, I'm not even going to count Giant Gonzalez or Kamala. You know, you work with what you're supposed to work with and go over. And it's not even about the WrestleMania streak. You know, it's things that you see from other stuff. But I just watch this guy and the things that he does to other wrestlers, and they revere him the way Flair reveres the Undertaker lets me know um, and I think about the fact that Undertaker has been relevant uh, Wrestlemania is at number was that number what 35 this year 36 36 Undertaker's been in 25 26 of those about that. I think he's been going since WrestleMania 7. This dude bridged all sorts. He wrestled in the 80s. Different, you know, did his different uh, things there, whether it was USWA or AWA or even WCW. And then this dude with a gimmick of being a guy that's work, that, that owns a mortuary. Rest in peace. This dude he turned R.I.P., into something crazy. <laughs> and his style, man, and being 6'10", 
and and doing all the things he's done he keeps changing himself the, the ability to vent and the way that he can just put on five-star matches at 611 how many guys can put on five-star matches they 611 not many there's nobody how there's anybody that that like all the five-star matches that we see in here it's all our guys you know the Shawn Michaels uh breed of guys that have come out recently and some guys over in Japan and we know they ain't no 610 dudes in Japan it's no disrespect to the country of Japan you know what I'm saying I mean but let's out of re the only dude I know that's 610 with any Japanese is that re Hachimura that's uh on <laughs> that's on uh Jordan brand uh by the way uh he's a Jordan athlete hmm, interesting Michael Jordan's still relevant today still um but Gonzaga baby <laughs> so that's the Undertaker's my fourth guy, man. I'm intrigued to, sit, to hear your fourth, Chris Turner. All right. So I'm going to get my shouts out first, and then I'm going to go into it, too. Uh, rest in peace. Shout out to Andre the Giant. Um, his move, oh, my bad, Andre. His move list was super limited, but, I mean, he was he was Andre the Giant. Jesus Christ. What, what, yeah. what do you expect from him? Yeah. Um, Eddie Guerrero. I know he came yeah. kind of later in this, but he opened up wrestling for more than just luchadors. Yeah. Uh, here's a name you probably haven't even spoke in at least 10 years. Jushin Thunder Liger. Hall of Famer. Shout out. Yeah. There's another one that I really wanted to throw him on, but I couldn't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Are you going to do it? I forgot another one. Shout out Chris Jericho. Yes. Shout out to Chris Jericho. Much love and respect. Matter of fact, shout out to Chris Benoit too. Man, it's Dean Malenko. All these, yeah, all these guys yeah. like came up, and my fourth guy. You even touched on earlier, but you didn't say his name. Like you brought up, you brought up other people who who, who benefited from his idea. So my fourth guy, which let me go off the rails again, isn't even a wrestler. Oh. Mm. My fourth guy. I love it. I think I know what you're getting ready to do. My I think I know what you're guy getting Who should go on and probably should go on first? Eric Bischoff. Whoa. I didn't think you were going to do that. Eric Bischoff should be the fourth person. Wow. On Eric the Bischoff. Wrestling. Eric Bischoff, if you ever hear this podcast one day, and it's our early work. I was just listening to him talk about uh, his interactions with The Rock and shoot on The Rock and how great of a guy The Rock is. Go ahead about your films by Eric Bischoff. I think that's a very, I don't argue against that because he did do some things that nobody had the ability to do. So you hit on it earlier for 84 weeks straight. And this has never been done in television. And you got to bring up classic shows like The Simpsons, Cheers, MASH, and none of them even come close for 84 weeks straight Monday Night Nitro ran their time slot and it wasn't even close for 84 weeks for 80 that means for 84 weeks that's a year and about a year and a half a little over a year and a half you can pull TV on Monday night at 7pm you can troll Mm -hmm. like there was there was nothing else this man essentially created the NWO. And oh yeah. 
from there, he brought over Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hogan, and all this stuff. He created it. Yeah. It was Eric Bischoff. Yeah. So he created the Monday Night Wars at that time, which, for those of you who don't know, that was when the Monday Night Wars <laughs> when WWF and WCW, like you had to essentially make a decision of who you were going to watch. Yeah. That was all Eric Bischoff. And even when he brought over the Outsiders, Kevin Hash, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and he mentioned like, oh, these are WWF defectors. And Vince McMahon sent him an email saying, hey, if you mention WWF again in a negative light, we're going to sue you. He mentioned them again, but he said, like, oh, well, you guys are WWF defectors and what are you doing over here? He flipped it so that the Outsiders like, oh, well, yeah, technically we're not with WWF. And that covered his ass and Vince couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So Eric Bischoff, because of his dominance, because of his genius, because of, he's even cut some, um, like he, I don't know if you know this, but he wrote the promo that Hogan said when Hogan became one of the NWO guys was saying that if it wasn't for me, Eric Bischoff would be uh, uh, selling meat out the back of a truck in Milwaukee. Eric Bischoff mm-hmm. wrote that. Eric Bischoff wrote single-handedly most of the shows for the 84 weeks of dominance. Yeah. So if you got to put a fourth person, if you got to, like, to be honest, if it wasn't for Eric Bischoff and the NWO, there would be no DX. Let's just call it what it is. No Stone Cold, no Vince Mc... Uh, no, no Rock. Rock would have never... I agree. That's a very... Nobody's had, I'm telling America, this is why our show is dope. He just dropped some knowledge on you, and I 100% agree with him. That's a very, very stout Mount Rushmore you have there. And it, it it's it's beautiful. I love it. So that's my guy. Eric Bischoff is the fourth guy who should go on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. So we got 10 minutes left. We got to clean it up. And we're probably going to have to take this last, sec- this last segment into a two-parter and add it for another show, which I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably going to be the first part of the next show. Should, should, well, I know where we fall out on this. So the whole topic of should NCAA players be getting paid? Yes. That's 100% wholeheartedly. But then it comes down to how much, and that's the debate for tonight. So Walt, if you don't mind, I would like to go first. I was hoping you would go first because, you know, I don't have the quote-unquote experience and leverage that you've had in your career. Please, and tell us, Chris Turner. All right. So not to not to implement myself in any wrongdoings of the NCAA, shout out Mike Bazemore. Not to... (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the Baconator. What up, Baze? Not to get myself in trouble for anything that may or may not have happened in the past. Here's how the money breaks down in D1 football. In the SEC, roughly, and this is top tier to bottom tier. And by bottom tier, I mean Auburn and University of Florida. So to break it down, D1 football brings in for the SEC $32 million. And that's just from football alone. And my personal argument is whatever your school, whatever your school brings in, whatever sports you play, that's what you get a cut of. I know Alabama basketball doesn't bring in that damn much. So, hey, sucks to be you, guy. Win more. So, my whole thing is whatever your sport brings in, you should get a cut up. So, let's say Alabama football brings in 
$32 million. Okay. Three-fourths of that goes to the school and the coaches and to the conference and the NCAA. Let them deal with however much they want to deal with that. Okay. From there, you got $8 million to play with. $8 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Break that $8 million up between the 100 guys on the team. That's that's still one. Eight million ain't nothing to sneeze at, first of all. But eight million, no, no, eight million split up a hundred ways breaks down to I want to say about eighty thousand, roughly. I don't have a, I don't have my computer or my calculator close, but I think like roughly like eighty thousand. So you mean to tell me? 80,000 won't make you stay four years if you're getting this like you're getting 80,000 a year that's that's a pretty nice chunk of change now if you want to be fair about it if you want to be fair about it which I guess whatever for my, my friends who play basketball in college shout out Reb and all my guys but for the guys who play basketball in college and all this other stuff and your school doesn't bring in 32 million dollars for a season like football does okay so you take the eight million from football. Basketball brings in about, eh, I think it was like sixteen to seventeen million. You get a quarter out of that, so it's another four million. Baseball brings in twelve, so that's three million out of that. So eight, four, twelve plus three—that's fifteen from the three major sports. We're not including swimming and all this other crap that people get scholarships from. Which, God bless if you we'll get see. scholarship for. Well, hold on. Well, that's where I got to stop you. I was going to let you go, but that's where you have to. You got to be fair, though, Chris. Well, that's, like, what, that's, because... that's where I'm going with it. That's where I'm going with it. So, okay, I just want to make if sure. If you want to be fair with it, you take all this money, you put it in a pot. However many kids you got that are on Scott World, walk ons, if you played, whatever, walk ons, full scholarship, whatever. Mm-hmm. You pay them. You just divide it up and you pay them. I'm, I get yep. tired of hearing. Oh well, they're student athletes first. They're students first, and we're paying for room and board. And America, I don't know if any, if any, or all of you went to college. Staying in the dorms for the most part, especially your freshman year, if you're in freshman dorms, sucks. It's you're <laughs> yeah, in a, it you're in a studio apartment with another person. So. The whole argument of oh well they have room and board and they we're paying for this this it's a forty thousand dollar tuition and uh this that and the third okay i don't care anything about that you brought me to your school to sell jerseys sell tickets win games i'm not even figuring in a bowl game because a bowl game is anywhere from three hundred thousand to twelve million yeah so I'm not even figuring in a bowl game. This is just from a regular season from the spring game to the Auburn game at the end of the season. Fuck off. So this is where <laughs> this is all this brings in. So if you want to make it fair, you give the school, the conference, the lion's share. You give them 75% of the money. Like that's, it is what it is. You give them 75%. But that last 25%, you give it to your guys who are doing all of the work. Go ahead, Walt. I mean, I love it, dude. And I, I think 
I think the one part about all this, and this is not, like he said, this is a conversation, not even going to come to the next show, it will continue to go. It just might be athletes getting paid in college part two, part three, part 35. There's a solution to this. And this is coming from a D2 standard um, here in, in the same uh, universe as the NCAA. So me and Chris were in the same universe, but you know, like he was like on earth and he was like one of the Avengers. And I was like, you know, a guardian of the galaxy and shit, right? Like that's the best way to describe this shit in pop culture terms, you know? Um, but you have to do the math because the one thing I know, you take a school like Alabama and Chris gave you those numbers. The football program is what pays all the salaries of the teachers. Yep. It pays for any renovations. Yep. Any type of dues. Whatever that is, you take that all out of their money they make. And like you said, of course, you've got to pay Nick and you got to pay Nick's boys. And yep. Nick's boys uh, covet and deserve a lot of money. Uh, and this is not just Alabama. This is any Division A school. Like If you're paying your coach a certain way, the reason that he's made your team any type of relevant is because his assistants are dope too. So you got to give him a chance to be able to keep his assistants unless they're getting a head coaching gig. All right. But then he said there's a, 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 a probably about an eight to ten million dollar allotment of money that's left. It doesn't go to any of that. And in my opinion, I think there is a certain way to do it. If like I like Alabama, let's use Duke as an example, right? In the same perspective. Or use like Yukon women's basketball, right? In a perspective. Or use um, I'm trying to think of somebody else it might be a different sport. Like North Dakota State's football team, you know, one double A. If they are the breadwinner of your program or they're the big reason that you're able to pay everything, then a certain percentage should go to those players. I agree. And they should get the bigger chunk. But you still got to take care of every other athlete. You know, because unfortunately for me, I actually went to my school in the era where the swimming team was the best team on the campus. That's a thing? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, dude. They were national champions like five times in a row. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I won my national championship in between there too. That's the one thing Chris Dur- Turner doesn't tell you oh is that I am, I am, I am one of the goat athletes because not only was I top five all time receiver, but I was a national champion long jumper and also three other times second place. America, I'm a true athlete, unlike Chris Turner, who just was black in in Florida, so he got the football genes and was a five star. Anyway, I'm not um, going to deny that. I can't. I can't really deny that one. So there is a way that it works, but what we're trying to convey, and we'll continue to convey through this, because this is one of our big topics when we first talked about doing this show. Um, NCAA, we're going to tell you right now. As you start to see, I just saw a kid decommit from Kentucky today. Yeah, to go overseas and go get money for a year. Because everything that's happening, they saw what happened with Lonzo. Lonzo went over there, not Lonzo, uh, LaMelo, the youngest ball boy. And, you know, and they saw that, hey, if I go over here for a year and if I'm that good, one thing or another, I'm either I'm going to make money at least and I'm in a pro league already. 
or I'm going to go here for one year or two years and get my game right. And when I come back, I'm a Luka Doncic the entire league because I just learned some shit for some grown ass men. You're right. That ain't nobody doing the NBA. Like that's that's the truth of the matter. So you got two choices. You can either start paying these athletes because that's what they are. They're a business mm-hmm. to you. Stop being a freaking contradiction. Look at me. I'm trying to keep the f bombs out because your mom's listening. We're <laughs> close to our total. Sorry, mom. You know. Stop Stop being contradictory and you want to preach one thing and you want to bastardize basically every athlete you have and you want to get every penny because we know how much y'all hurt. I tell you right now, I live in California and I tell you what, Gavin Newsom's going to be the president of the United States 2024. I said it because he's the one that said, okay, you know what? We'll put in the act for next year. So every kid in my school can make money off their likeness. He made the NCAA do what they have to do. They're going to get paid, Chris. Shout out to the and old that's Danny, a, Yeah. Are you sure you want to shout them out? They're the reason why you didn't. Well, actually, no, you are on, what are you on? NCAA 2000, like what, five, I am, six? On, I am on NCAA 2002 because you remember they used to put some of the high school kids on the team that they committed to. Mm-hmm. I am on NCAA 2003. I am on NCAA 2004. Go check your boy. They first of all they got my speed like underrated as hell because they got me at, like a 67 speed at defensive tackle. So I'm a little bitter about that. Hey, here's the here's the better part. Um, I love you, but nobody was using Alabama in NCAA 2002 2004 in that first, game. No, no, that much first right of all, now. first of all, I was on the Florida State team in 2002. So let's get that right. Damn it, I was using you. Get Son of a bitch! I got scrub got, time. I got scrub time because if you pick Florida State, whenever they got up by like uh, thirty against Duke or whatever, it automatically subbed me in. I remember that because I made my stats go up even better. So whatever. Okay, I'll give you that. I forgot about that because Florida State was that the real deal. Trail. They were the real deal. Trail. So at the end of the day, we don't keep talking about this. I think between me and Chris Turner talking about this. If we really, you know, we do our research before we talk, but if we really wanted to solve this problem, we could solve it, honestly, in probably about three podcasts and have it done. And the NCAA would be better for it. Mike Bazemore. <laughs> I'm calling him out. I don't give a damn. Mike Bazemore, you're an NCAA. You're a friend of ours. You're a friend of the show. Make it happen. I'm not, nah, Baconator, that is not your place. Don't worry about that. Mike don't worry Bazemore. about it at all. If you are a friend of the show and <laughs> you love us the way we know that you love us. Worst case, I'm going to blackmail the shit at you and start throwing up some incriminating shit. And hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So all I'm saying is Mike Baysmore make something happen. Somebody got to pay for this show at some Ooh. point. We can't keep doing Ooh, really? this. Uh, we can't keep doing this on our own pocket. Come on, liquor companies. You hear <laughs> We don't talk about the real stuff around here. We ready to roll. We are ready to roll. We'll take any starting wine company that needs some love. Are you kidding me? My fiance be like, you better do a podcast tomorrow. I drink great. She be like, you make it happen. She will She will be like, hey, we're getting the kind of low here, honey. You should do some wrestling topics. I tell you whoever, what. I tell whoever you what, loves if, uh, if Malibu Rum wants to do a damn uh, want to sponsor us I'm pretty sure my wife will make me do the damn show so let's do it Bacardi do you need a comeback 
I have no problem drinking that rum again. Like I'm all good for it. Like it doesn't matter. All I know is America, we're coming to that segment that we all love that's near and dear to our hearts. And you know what? Chris Turner. I'm going to let you go first, man. You know what? I'm getting right into it. America, give me a minute. Masterpiece entrepreneur mogul and top 10 businessman businessman in the country right behind the Rockefellers and all these guys Sean Carter and all, Diddy and all you got Master P don't forget about him. why is the Master P on NBA 2K he played in the NBA you gave the dude you gave Dan Root the dude who doesn't even say anything he dances in his videos you gave him a play on 2K Creamy Bigums, shout out to Spice Adams, Shottown, who I love to death. You gave him a play on 2K. Why doesn't Master P have a play on 2K? He played with the Raptors and got buckets. Mind you, he averaged like 0.3 and then 0.7 with the Hornets. I don't care nothing about that. Why isn't Master P on 2K? You mean to tell me it's too hard to starting uh, at shooting guard? 6'6 from New Orleans, Louisiana. Percy Miller. And then dun, 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 to make him say, uh, like you, you can't you can't add that to the game. Like you you got Jordan back on a video game. You can't get Master P. You can't add P to the game. America, give me a minute, but add Master P to the game, or I'm not buying 2K no damn all. because I never know what this dude is going to say. Oh, my God. That's good. That's really good. That's really good. I got to follow that? Why do I always go second in this? <laughs> this is the I haven't figured this out yet. I always go behind you. This is stupid. But I'm ready. America. Give me a minute. Now that we are sitting here through all these crises and we are all home, and I've had some time to evaluate some certain things. And this is what I'm ready for, America. Give in to a fact that the 90s was the greatest <laughs> musical era to ever exist. Are you kidding me? We had the boy groups. We had the girl groups. We had budding superstars. We had aging superstars. We had rappers that actually spoke English and you could hear all their lyrics. You had great samples. You had appreciation for before. You had futuristic. I mean, the fact that we're looking at all the billionaires and hundred millionaires right now, they all came out of the 90s. This is all I'm saying, America. It's time to realize that in all facets of all your music, whether it be R&B or hip hop, whether it be country, whether it be pop, whether it be alternative, rock and roll, grunge, whatever the Hell you listen to. It was never done better than the 90s. 
the greatest decade of all time. And you know what? If you want to sit here and think that you can verbally outfight me on this, I tell you right now, fight me. Don't fight me physically because I'm fat and I'm out of shape. I can't fight no more. Okay. But I tell you right now, if I put on some SWV, your ass is going to rock. I put on some all the weekend at least I can hardly yeah. see hey. control. Something takes over me. Singing, I'm telling you, real thugs bump 90s R&B. That's all I'm saying. There's not a thug. If a thug walked up on you right now, America, and he played Don't Go Chasing Waterfall Please think I guarantee you, he might think twice before he shoots you. That's all I'm saying, America. All I can think of through the whole thing, my mind's telling me no. I know, that's the only problem with the 90s is that dude was, he was running rumsh boy he was wrecking the 90s he was producing everything but he made i believe i can fly it's like they said about michael jackson he made thriller he made thriller shout out dave chappelle um so i mean hell dave chappelle's comedy was born in the 90s it was I, man it's the greatest decade ever Robin I, don't Hood, men I don't give a shit every every topic we talked about tonight chris it comes back to the 90s that's all I'm saying, dude. It's been real tonight, America. I actually think I'm still quite a bit sober after this hour. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of tipsy. I've just finished off a bottle of uh, Crown Royal Peach, which we just got restocked in Billings, Montana. So shout out to all the bars who just got it back that they're selling everything. So shout out to them. Uh, Absolutely, man. Those are essential workers we need. Essential workers you need are at your, at your liquor stores. And Go strippers. support your liquor stores. And like strippers. for real. Like if you need if to you really were, do like a delivery service or like they come to your house and strip and then go to somebody's house. Like strippers are essential workers as well. So if you know a stripper or I'm sorry, exotic dancer, like support your local exotic dancers. Now I really can't support local exotic dancers here in Billings, Montana, because I'm gonna be honest with you. Strippers in Billings, Montana are just as bad as you think they are, if not worse. But but if you're in a bigger city and you have exotic dancers support them man like call call old girl up like hey not not no players club type stuff but like just hey i got because i think you can have six people in like, one time right in one space so hey i got five of my homeboys we just got our corona checks come make some money so that's technically under the legal limit you got six people support them hey that's it Hold on now. That's a different lifestyle for me. I'll take my heat for this later, but I'm not going to ever disrespect that crowd in Billings, Montana. They looked out for your boy. Shouts out. Oh, we've we've had a lot of a lot of unmentionable fun in Planet Lockwood that we will never talk about in public. But I'm gonna shout out. I'm shouting out Lockwood. I'm shouting. I'm shotgun Willies. Whoa. Um, oh, no. I'm, I'm shotgun. Hey, I'm shouting them all out. Shotgun shout outs. We we don't we don't talk, we don't, I'm not gonna do that. We don't talk about shotgun Willies in public. We don't do that. Nope. No, no, don't no. do that to Montana man. They out there doing their thing, man. They repping. Don't do that to them, Chris. We don't we don't talk about shotgun Willies in public. It's not what we do. <laughs> 
So as I say every time we're about to end this, folks, use this social distancing time. Use this this time that you may have off work from furlough or you're working from home or temporary layoffs, whatever the case may be. Use this time. Find a hobby. Find a hustle. Find a craft. Find something you love to do that you never had time to go do. Get back in touch with your family. Like I tell you every time, like me and my family eat dinner at the dinner at the dining room table. I didn't even know we were supposed to eat dinner at it. We've eaten dinner at the dining room table all the time now. Find time to get in touch with your people. Reach out to somebody you hadn't talked to. Find a hobby. Find a hustle. Find a craft. More importantly, like our show, love our show, download the Anchor app, which we got to cut a commercial for here soon. So be on the lookout for that ignorance. So <laughs> like our show, love our show, share it, man. This is the brainchild of James Madison Walton III and Christopher A. We will not get into the A. Turner. And <laughs> like it, love it, share it, man. We appreciate you guys listening. Love, peace, hair grease, and all that good stuff. Walt, you got anything for him? Yeah, I would say, like Chris said, continue to enjoy this time. Strengthen yourselves, number one. And number two, let me just give you some serious just corona advice, America, if you're listening to me. Go watch season three of 24. That's all I got to say about this. <laughs> it, might, it, it might make sense to you, because that's exactly what the hell happened to us. You go watch season three of 24, you might go, oh, no wonder. And it's not because, you know, to actually give the president credit, it's not because he didn't believe it. Maybe he had to do the right thing and be like, now nah, we got to downplay this shit. We can't look weak. But you know what? Somebody got the fuck out the hotel. There's my first F-bomb. Sorry, Mama Turner. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but that's all I'm saying. So step one, love everybody that you're around. Continue to grow those relationships. And the best advice I can give you to get through Corona is go watch 24, season three. It's on Hulu. Get a subscription. It's been getting us through. We own season six. We on a new emergency. So we're going to be ready for the next <laughs> pandemic at this point because they all about atom bombs. So I can tell you right, something, something radioactive is going to happen in 2023. That's all I got to say. So America, go wash your hands, wash your ass, whatever the case may be. Stay clean, stay safe. This has been episode four of What's Good, America. Thank you.